Welcome back to Us Anxious Folk. This is actually take two for Shannon and I. We've had some technical <laughs> difficulties today. Um, but yes, I am here with Shannon Jackson, who is a lovely patient woman <laughs> from A Healthy Push. Shannon is an anxiety coach. She is a mum, a wife, um, an adventurer, uh, and someone who I've been really, really excited to talk to as she was heavily requested. Shannon, thank you for being here again. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with you and your community and dive into all of the good things. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Now, before we got interrupted, before you were telling me um, all about your anxiety story, we didn't get very far though. So if you could, <laughs> please tell me your anxiety story. Yeah, no problem. So it's such a big question, right? Because I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. So there is a lot to it, but I'm going to make it as short and sweet as possible. <laughs> so I started struggling with anxiety and panic when I was in high school. I had had some bouts of anxiety prior to, but nothing that is panic. And so when I was in high school at a track meet, I had my first panic attack and just like, you know, you hear, I had no idea what was going on. I was so scared. I thought that I was maybe having an asthma attack. I felt like short of breath and shaky and hot and sweaty and just like the full blown, I have to get out of here. I don't know what to do. What is happening to me? And after that, of course, I developed this fear of feeling that again. So I you know, didn't want to experience a panic attack again. And I would do just about anything to not experience a panic attack. And for me, and like many other people, you try to make yourself safe. And you feel like the way to do that is to by starting to restrict the things that you do and start to avoid things. And, you know, you do all these things that you think are really going to be helpful. And they end up just reinforcing the anxiety and fear and making it a whole lot worse. So, after the panic attack, I started, like I said, to develop that fear of experiencing panic. And so then it kind of spiraled into driving anxiety, which was like me experiencing a ton of anxiety and panic whenever I stepped foot into a car. And it wasn't just me driving, it was riding as a passenger and being on the bus to go to school and, you know, any and all things, buses, trains, planes, didn't matter what it was. And I had many other fears intertwined with those, but the big sort of resonating one in all of it was the fear of being trapped, yeah. the fear of things being beyond my control, the fear of something really bad happening and me not being able to get help or just that I wouldn't be able to handle it. And so, yeah, I classically started going to therapy. Um, thank goodness my mom was super supportive and she got me into therapy and I started to learn a bit more, but of course I was, I was young and I just, you know, wasn't really ready and committed to doing the work that I had to do. And I sort of continued to make these choices that made things even harder for me. And, you know, I was in a toxic relationship, which just added to the stress and anxiety and, so many things. And so, you know, once I started to actually get to a point where I said to myself, like, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. I remember going to 
and I'm a super emotional person. I will get very emotional <laughs> even to this day talking Same. about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember finally going to a psychiatrist because I felt like I've got to try medication. I didn't want to try it. I had always kind of been against trying it, but I got to a point where I could barely make it to work. Um, I could barely make it to school. Like I had a job. I was in college. I had things to do and everyday things started to become really hard, like getting in the car, waiting in lines, um, you name it, like going to appointments, anywhere that I felt like maybe I could be trapped and maybe I would have a panic attack. It was like game over before I even started. So I went to the psychiatrist and she was the best person at that point in time in my life. And I'm so grateful that I connected with her because I remember sitting in her office after she had done this like entire evaluation and she looked at me and she said, you know, I can't believe that you're still going to work. I can't believe that you're still going to school. Like people who are struggling as badly as you are with this stuff, you know, typically don't do these things. And this must be really hard for you. Mm. And it was like all that validation that I needed because I minimized everything. I was like, you know, I should be able to go to work. I should be able to get in cars. I should be able to do this stuff. And I kind of just forced myself to do it all because I felt like this isn't that bad. Like, you know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just do these things? Mm. And so she gave me that validation of like, no, this is some big stuff. You know, this is some really hard stuff that you're going through and we're going to work through this. And I, with the medication aspect, because I know people are always so curious, long story short, I tried a couple of medications. They didn't work for me. Um, And so I remember after this, right, saying to her, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to learn to manage it. I don't want to learn, like, how to just let anxiety be a part of my life and keep just trying to live. And I remember her looking at me and she was like, you know, I'm not going to say it, but it's like F managing anxiety. Like we're not going to teach you how to manage anxiety anymore. You don't have to manage it. You trying to manage it is what's making it worse. Mm -hmm. You trying to figure out how you can go around it and make it easier and have it in your life, like is making all of it worse. So we can do this and we can do it without medication, but you're actually going to have to commit to doing some really hard work. Yeah, And she was just such a blessing because that at that point in my life, it's, I, it's a one, it was a kick in the butt I needed. And two, it was that confirmation from somebody who knew what they were talking about and told me, you don't have to manage it. You don't have to be on medication to overcome this. Mm-hmm. I wished I just want to, you know, put a plug in there. I wish medication had worked for me. If it had, I would have taken it gladly. No problem. Like no shame in taking medication. If it works for you, like more power to you, take Mm. the medication. But, you know, so it really gave me a new perspective. It really forced me to have more accountability of my journey and to start really making those hard decisions, doing the hard work, like really buckling down and and practicing the healthy habits and making healthy decisions and really holding myself to all of it. And that was really one of my enough points of like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm 
you know, I'm going to start taking a look at things. I'm going to start looking at my safety behaviors. I'm going to start looking at, you know, the, the unhealthy decisions that I'm making. I'm going to start to work to really change this stuff. And it was really hard. And it's not something that obviously happened overnight, but had I known all of the things <laughs> that obviously I know now, I wouldn't have struggled for years and it wouldn't have been so hard. And, you know, I wish back when I was struggling that I had had somebody in my life like me that was just like, hey, you know, I've been there. You're not weird. You're not crazy. You're struggling with something that's really hard. And anyone in your situation would be having a really hard time. Mm. And it's okay. You mm. you can totally overcome this. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it. And so, yeah, I this is why I do the work that I now do <laughs> because I don't want anyone to struggle like I did. And you don't have to struggle for 15 years. You don't have to struggle for years and it doesn't have to be so hard. And yeah, we just make so much of the journey so much harder than it has to be, but that's because there's just so much we don't know. And yeah. Yeah. So that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm here talking to you today. <laughs> it's amazing. She, your psychiatrist sounds incredible. And I think you know, so many people end up sort of bouncing from therapist to therapist and not quite finding someone they mesh with or feeling, you know, like more like a patient than they want to feel. And so it seems like she kind of really had the right balance there. Oh, yeah. She was total, like, no BS, which yeah. is what I needed too. She kind of just told me openly and honestly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's partly sometimes I love therapists, they're so helpful. Um, nothing against therapists, of course, but sometimes you need that honest slap in the face of like, wake up. If this really yes. is enough, if you're really sick of this, if you're really wanting to recover and, and do the work, you've, you've got to do it. Like there's no other, you got to go through it. There's no mm. way, you know, I'm not going to, you know, she said, Shannon, I can't give you some tool, some magical tool. I can't, you know, even with medication, if a medication works, it's not the fix. Like, yeah. you know, so stop looking for one solution. Stop looking for a fix. There is no magical fix. Like you are the magic thing that's going to help you to get through this, but you have to actually commit and do the work. Yeah. Yeah. You can't find it elsewhere. It's got to be yeah. from you, but it seems like you've, um, like my god it seems like you've done that really well and um how how long was kind of the um from that stage what was the timeline between getting to where you are now yeah so from the time I met with that psychiatrist it was about three or four years mm -hmm. but in the mix of that like I say you don't have to struggle for years you really don't it, yeah. it, that psychiatrist obviously didn't come into my life and give me everything that I needed. And, you know, was that fix? Like she wasn't it, but mm -hmm. she started me on this path of like, all right, I actually can do this. Yeah. I actually can figure this out. I don't have to continue struggling with this, but mm -hmm. I've got to, to commit and actually do the work. And for a long time, that was a big issue for me. I like, <laughs> as much as I said, I want to overcome this and I want to do this. I wasn't actually serious about it many times. And I wish, you know, in retrospect that I would have gotten my stuff together and just done what I had to do. But a lot of the stuff that you have to do is really, really hard. And yeah. unless you're on that level of really like, I'm done, I'm just going to do the hard stuff and I'm not going to look back. Mm. You do end up struggling for a lot longer than you have to. Yeah. I think 
a lot of the time we forget that um, it's it's going to feel unnatural, you know, and we forget that our body's natural inclination is to turn away from that discomfort. And so mm-hmm. we're like, why do I keep resisting change? Why do I keep, you know, not doing the things that I need to do to get better? Because your your body's kind of pushing you in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's all that, those old pathways that worked for you so well at one point, right? Like avoiding reassurance seeking, um, distracting, running away, like all those things at one point worked, but then they stopped working. And then I realized all these things that I'm doing to get control and to keep myself safe are actually continuing on me, continuing me on this path mm-hmm. of fear and anxiety and panic. And, you know, being able to just recognize that was huge that no, 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 it actually is my actions, my behaviors. It's not something that, you know, is something that I can't figure out or fix. But I think too, the other piece was like recognizing, which took me a long time to recognize was like, it's not me that needs to be fixed. It's my relationship with anxiety that needs to be fixed. And for a long time, (laughs) yeah, for a long time, right. I thought it's me. Like there's this there's something wrong with me like I need to fix this and you know my approach of thinking that I was broken or weak or incapable it wasn't any of that I you know I beat myself up all the time I treated myself horribly which Mm -hmm. only made things worse and you know it, it wasn't me that ever needed fixing it was just how I responded to the anxiety, how I responded to the symptoms, you know, your response is so big in the recovery journey. And we often don't recognize that, that, mm-hmm. you know, how we respond is either what's going to have anxiety continuing to show up, or it's going to have it get that message of like, Hey, I see you. I don't need you. You can mm-hmm. go on your way now. Yeah. But that's really, really tough. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a hard, like, yeah, like you said, those pathways, when you're used to walking them, it's hard to to say, I don't need to walk this pathway anymore. It's safe to actually mm-hmm. go this way. Um, yeah. 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 Cause it's like what you were saying, you know, when you do start pushing a back, pushing back against those old pathways, your brain naturally is like, what are you doing? Yeah. This, <laughs> this isn't what wrong. we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is not what we do. Like sound the alarms. And, yeah. you know, when you start, instead of seeking reassurance and instead, you know, pausing and looking inward, the alarms like go off and you're like, well, what? I, I was told that this would be helpful. I've been told this is what I should do, but this feels really awful and this feels mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's where people get stuck, right? Is they're like, I'm starting to feel more. Things feel harder. This doesn't feel right. You know, yeah. it doesn't feel like I'm doing the right thing. Am I doing the right thing? Mm. And it's like, yeah, of course your brain is going to have a really hard time with these new healthy approaches because it's been so used to doing something for however long, you know, for me, it was years over a decade of me responding in one particular way. So my brain of course was like, Nope, don't do that. Like you're not going to feel these emotions. You're not going to sit with anxiety. You're not going to let it in because that equals, you know, more anxiety and panic. And it took me a long time to realize, Nope, I can actually sit with anxiety. I can actually just allow it in. I can actually like feel anxious and I can do this and I'm okay. Yeah. But, you know, because of the feelings, right? The sensations, the symptoms, it feels really horrible. It's real. What you're feeling is real. And so, of course, you're like, 
oh, I don't want to feel this way. Like, I'm not going to, you know, and that's when people are like, okay, I'm just going to revert back into those old behaviors. Yeah. And that's what I did for a long time. Like I'd revert back and then I'd think, okay, cool. I have some short-term relief. I'm feeling better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it was like, you know, finally that realization of, oh my gosh, Shannon, look what you've been doing for years. And, you know, being gentle with myself and being compassionate and being like, okay, it's okay. You know, what you've been doing, it clearly isn't working. It hasn't been working. Like we're going to keep trying Mm -hmm. this new way. And Mm -hmm. even though it feels really uncomfortable and feels worse, it's actually leading us to where we want to be. So you've got to keep practicing this. And and that's really uncomfortable, of course. Mm. Yeah. I, I just want to um, rewind to where you said you were continuing to work um, because I'm the same as your psychiatrist. Like that blows my mind because <laughs> mm. I, I can, you know, I can guess how you probably would have been feeling and, and how hard that would have been to navigate. Um, were you, you were working in healthcare at the time. I know you recently left, left your yeah. role. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting to me that in a time when you probably found it really hard to care for yourself, you would have been caring for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so hard. And I remember, you know, I was always that person too, that just pulled it together, right? I'm mm-hmm. going to act natural. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to hide everything that I'm going through and I'm just going to make people think that I'm okay. And yeah really what I was trying to do was try to convince myself that I was okay. That like, you know, this isn't happening. You're just going to keep doing all the things. And honestly, one of the big, you know, my psychiatrist did ask me like, Shannon, why are you continuing to do all of this? Because I did have a lot on my plate. Like I was working, I was in school, I was in college, like I was doing a lot. And I said, well, and I'm, I get very emotional about this, but, you know, I looked at her and I said, I feel like if I don't keep going, if I don't keep doing all this stuff and I just stay home, that I'm going to be home and I'm not going to go anywhere and I'm not going to do anything. And to me, that was way scarier Mm. than the thought of continuing to go to work and continuing to go to school while struggling with all this really hard stuff Mm. so it probably wasn't the the healthiest decision right like (laughs) to keep forcing myself to do all the things but I kind of also feel like it was a really good thing for me because if I just stopped and I you know tried to protect myself and and do what I thought would be like the the healthy thing right keeping myself safe like not going to work not going to school it would have fed into the anxiety and it would have given it that message of, you know, work and school and the car and all these things are dangerous. You can't go anywhere. You can't do these things. Mm -hmm. So I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise, but um, yeah, working in healthcare, I routinely would have panic attacks at work. Mm -hmm. And that was so hard because it's like, you know, obviously you're trying to function, you're trying to do a job. And like you said, in healthcare, you're helping people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I really, truly felt like I couldn't even help myself. Like I, every day was a struggle just to be there. And, and, you know, that going back to the feeling stuck and trapped, right? Like, this is it. I'm, I'm at work. I have to be here. I have a job to do. Yeah. And I remember one time um, I had a really bad panic attack at work and 
I remember going, I had a coworker that I was pretty good friends with outside of work. And I remember going by her desk and just telling her like, Hey, I'm having a really bad panic attack right now. And she was like, I'm like on the phone. Like I, I can't help you right now. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so I remember going into the bathroom and like, I often went into the bathroom when I was panicking and I remember like just feeling it all right. And like that fight or flight, like not to give you too much information, <laughs> but I'm going to like everything in my body just released. Like yeah. I had to go to the bathroom. I got sick. Like I felt like I was going to pass out. Mm. And I remember laying on the bathroom floor with like my feet up on the toilet, frantically calling my mom because my mom was like, you know, always my safe person. Yeah. And I remember my mom didn't answer like repeatedly. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to get through this? Like, I am not going to be okay. Mm. And I was okay. Like I got through it. My mom didn't answer the phone. She also has always worked in healthcare. She was with patients. So it was like, that for me was a really hard moment, but it was also a really big realization that I needed of like, nobody can help you. Mm. You know, it's nice. It feels more comfortable for people to be there, right? Mm. But like, mm. they don't actually do anything when you're feeling super anxious or when you're panicking. Like, mm. you know, my mom, she always made me feel more comforted. Like it felt nice. It felt safer when she was there. But did she do anything to actually magically work through the panic for me? No. So that was really a good realization for me of like, okay, even if this is bad, right? Even if this panic attack is bad, I'm going to get through it and I can work through it and I don't need anyone else. Like I, I can feel all the discomfort mm. and I don't have to, you know, freak out. I don't have to try to figure anything out. I don't have to try to get help. Like I don't, I can feel this and mm. I can work through it. And yeah, that was a really, really hard moment for me. And of course I was like, I can't believe you didn't answer your phone, mom. <laughs> you know, right, right. But, but it was good for me because yeah, yeah you so often look outward, right? When you're mm. feeling really anxious and especially when you're having a panic attack, you're just like, anyone help me. Or, you know, in some instances it's ironic, right? I would go in the other direction of like, mm. if I was in a car full of people, I would do anything not to let the people know what was going on within me. Yeah, like that's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, this is fun. <laughs> right. Like nobody in this car is going to know that I am like on a level eight right now yeah. and afraid that I'm going to pass out, that I'm going to like, you know, freak out that mm. I would, I would hide it. And so, yeah, it's, I, it's funny because, you know, with people that you feel safe and comfortable with, it's often like, help me, help me. Like, I want you here. But then when you, you know, you're around people you're not so comfortable with or trust as much, it's like, I'm going to do anything to make you not know what I'm going through right now. Yeah. And so all of it, I mean, the, I think the, the message in all of that really is like, I wish I would have been more vulnerable. I wish I would have let people actually into my world and know how hard things were for me and what I was actually going through. And I wish I wouldn't have hit it mm. as much as I did. I wish I would have, you know, cause I think a big fighter of fear is vulnerability and allowing yourself to actually be seen for who you are, what you're struggling with. All of that can really just be so beautiful in the sense that it gives you more support. It mm. gives you an opportunity to like 
just let yourself breathe and let yourself struggle and not try to hide it and not try to fight it. And like, you know, not try to make it seem like I'm fine. Everything's fine when you're so far from fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so has that been a, um, I know it's been a learning curve for me, uh, especially as a mom, you can probably relate to that. Like finding that balance in your relationships of sort of like taking responsibility for yourself but also being vulnerable and um you know letting it be okay to struggle like how have you managed your relationships I guess and and finding that balance yeah I think one of the biggest questions that I get asked is like Shannon like when is it okay to lean on somebody and when is it not okay right because I think we struggle with the the boundaries well (laughs) yeah is is this reassurance seeking or is it okay for me to just tell somebody how I'm feeling? Mm. And, you know, I think you really have to check in with yourself, right? When you're seeking that, um, that reassurance, that like, that tell me I'm safe, you know, you really have to ask yourself, am I doing this in a way where I'm seeking for the other person to make me feel better. I'm seeking for the other person to make the anxiety go away. Like I'm seeking for the other person to like fix this. Right. And that was oftentimes what I did was a, I'm not just telling you to like be vulnerable and to just say like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time right now. Like I don't need you to do anything. It was, I'm not feeling well right now. I'm super anxious and I'm on the verge of panic and I want you to help me fix this. Mm. So I think slowing down and checking in with yourself of like, what am I looking for here um, can be really helpful because I think that there is a lot of um, beauty and vulnerability in the sense that it can be really helpful if you're just being vulnerable to be vulnerable and not looking for anything, right? Like Mm. you're not looking for tell me that this is going to be okay and that I'm going to be okay and that nothing's wrong and that, you know, I'm not dying. Um, just being able to say, hey, I'm feeling super anxious. This is what it's looking like. I don't need you to do anything. And this was like huge for me in teaching the people around me and even my mom who had been through this stuff when she was actually in her early 20s of like telling them, I know that you're going to want to help me. But a lot of the times the help that you're giving me is enabling me. And Mm. so telling them, you know, if I tell you that I'm just feeling anxious, I don't want you. I don't need you to do anything. I'm not looking for you to distract me. I'm not looking for you to tell me that, you know, everything is okay. Like, I just want to say how I'm feeling and it would be nice for it to just be validated, right? Like, hey, I'm sorry that you're really struggling right now. I'm here. I'm here. I'll listen. If there's anything you need, let me know. But, you know, really making that delineation of I'm just needing to get out how I'm feeling and setting that boundary of like, I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to fix this for me Mm. versus, you know, I'm getting this out, but I'm like really just wanting you to fix this. I'm really wanting you to make the anxiety go away. I'm wanting you to help me. Because you don't, you don't need that. Right. But you think so much that you need that in the moment. Mm. (laughs) So I think, yeah, those two things can be really helpful to just slow down and like, look, you know, what am I actually seeking? What am I looking for? And I think just in general, the not working so hard to hide things and (laughs) really not just not telling people like, I, I mean, it's okay. Like we all have things that we struggle with. You just think that yours is so big and so terrible and so like 
this thing that people are going to judge you for because it's you that's struggling with it. The other person on the other end probably has things that they don't talk about that they're hiding from people because they don't want to be judged because they don't want, you know, people to think anything differently of them. We're all struggling with stuff. And I think the more that we could just out with it and be like, yeah, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with panic. I struggle with agoraphobia. I'm working on it. You know, I'm doing the best that I can, but Mm. this is what things look like for me right now. And this is what's hard for me. And just being able to say that stuff, like huge. I, you know, I say the world would be much more peaceful and happy if we just allowed ourselves to be vulnerable and we didn't hide, tried to hide everything and anything. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Sorry. I just got to pop up on my screen um, yeah. about the, the Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think a lot of my issue has been, you know, shame and running from that, running from my own sense of shame, but you know, the shame I, I perceive that others will will put on me and so Mm. it's it's been a it's been a lesson (laughs) trying to learn you know like you said the difference between being codependent or just connecting and I think in codependency it's where you're still trying to manage how those people see you Mm. while wanting them to help you whereas when you're just being vulnerable and connecting it's like you're really just letting yourself just be you know exactly who you are like you said this is how it is at the moment this is what I struggle with yeah yeah I love that and I think you know shame is a big thing that keeps us all kind of stuck and is really hard because a lot of the things that we think right are not at all what anyone would ever think of us so you know there are so many aspects of my journey that I hid and that I didn't tell people and I'm talking like some of the stuff I didn't even share with my mom who was my safe person and who I was always the closest with. And even my husband, you know, we were dating at the time, but I had things going on like toilet anxiety and, you know, the fear of pooping my pants and like some really like embarrassing stuff. And I remember starting to talk, starting to talk about some of that stuff after years, right. And telling people, Hey, this is actually a fear that I have. And I know that it's silly, but like, it is what it is. And I, it took me so long to get to that point. And I remember having this conversation with my husband and he, he was so cute because he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, like I pooped my pants in the car before. And I was just like, what? Like, okay. I can't believe you just told me that, but okay. But he was like, seriously, Shannon, like I can see how you would have that fear. Like your stomach is often a mess when you're anxious. You often don't feel well, like you're, you're nauseous. I get that. Like, that makes sense. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe, you know, that I've been holding on to this for so long and there is no need all because I was afraid, right. Of what people would think of me, like, Mm. how are people going to see me? And, but it wasn't really that I was afraid. It was partly because I was afraid of how people would see me and if they might judge me, but it was more of me. Like I felt a certain way about it. Like I didn't even want to own up to it like I yeah. didn't even want to admit that I had this fear you know I you, had don't, many, you many... don't want to look at it <laughs> yeah I don't want it to be yeah. there <laughs> right yeah. and yeah it's just sort of like another um avoidance you know another safety behavior but it's just like just being able to out with the stuff mm. <laughs> and to be able to talk about them and to kind of speak the shame out loud right because I think yeah. shame gets so much of its power from not being spoken 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so we we got interrupted before because my internet is just a schmozzle tonight. Um, but Shannon's being so patient, and I'm just gonna ask my last question of you, Shannon, because I this was the one that I was so intrigued to ask you because I know that you're going to have a very very good answer. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, I kind of <laughs> no pressure or anything, <laughs> right? Um. If you could like say one piece of advice either to yourself when you were struggling or to someone who, you know, is, is going through a really dark time with, with panic disorder and agoraphobia, if you could tell that person one thing, what would it be? Oh my goodness. These things are always so hard because there's so many things that I would have told my past self, right? Yeah. Um, I guess what I would say is, you know, you, as much as you might not believe it and think it right now, you have everything that you need within you to overcome this. And you are so full of so much wisdom and power and strength and like ease up on yourself a bit, let yourself breathe. Like what you're going through is so hard and you're doing such a good job and I know you probably think that recovery just isn't possible for you. Like you're different. You're somehow some sort of exception. This just isn't true. Like you are more than capable of recovering and it's just going to take some really hard work, but you are capable of doing all of it. Like the hard that you've been facing and the hard that you're currently facing right now, it can't get any harder. Like, and you can totally face anything that you come up against. And just knowing that the safety really is within you. It's not outside of you. Like there are no magic tools. There are no magic things. It's all within you. And you've just really got it. Put yourself first, invest in yourself, do the hard work and keep reminding yourself, I'm going to keep making the choice to recover because I can absolutely do this. And even though you can't see it, right? Like I tell people all the time, I don't care if you're religious or not. You just have to have some blind faith Mm -hmm. that you can live the life that you want and deserve to live. Because just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not possible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for years I thought I would never be to where I am today. I would never, you know, be a mom. I would never travel. I would never hike big mountains. And I would never just go to the doctors and driving cars and wait in lines and all the things without it being so hard. And I'm here and it still blows my mind. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just because you can't see that recovery is possible for you doesn't mean that it's not possible. And you are so, so incredibly capable. So just keep going. You're doing a good job and you will, you will live the life you want and deserve to live. You got me with that one. I got teary. When you started tearing up, I was like, shit, (laughs) it's happening. I'm I'm so glad that you've you've been on this journey and and I'm so glad that you are where you are. I think you're a beautiful human. You're obviously a beautiful mom and wife. And um the the amazing thing about 
Shannon, if you don't already know, uh, is that she she offers her herself <laughs> like <laughs> it's like your calling, like um, you know, you you I know you struggled with calling yourself an anxiety coach um for a long time, but you really do you walk alongside people as they're navigating their way through panic disorder and agoraphobia. And so if there's anyone out there who um, is struggling and wants, wants some help, Shannon, um, Mm -hmm. Shannon's your girl. (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Those are some beautiful words and I really appreciate it because I think, yeah, I didn't realize for a long time, like this is my purpose. This is actually what I meant to be doing. And I don't want to say the cliche thing of like, it was all worth it because <laughs> I wish that I hadn't have gone through it, yeah. but it was worth it in the sense where I can actually help people now. And that is everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by all accounts, it seems like you do an amazing job and yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's been awesome. I've been so happy to join you on your podcast and talk to your community and you're so lovely and I love the work that you do too. So keep, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for being so patient. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with Shannon, you can find her at a healthy um, and your Instagram as well is um, a healthy push as well. Yeah. Um, So yeah, please reach out if you need Shannon because yeah, she's lovely. Thank you for listening to the Us Anxious Folk podcast, the podcast for the chronically overwhelmed, perpetually panicked, anxious folk in all of us. If you would like to find more about me, you can find me on YouTube at Lauren Rose or on Instagram at Lauren R underscore Rose.